This is Building on the Solid Rock with Pastor Troy Neely of Calvary Chapel, Solid Rock. Let every family find faith in the Father's love. This is where it begins. This is our cry, this is our song, Jesus the way. We find our life in Him. hates you, but there's good news. This good news is shine a good light. You shine a good light in this world, a light that's needed. Because of you, things will begin to change around you. You kind of shake things up. And when that happens, well, people are taken aback by it, and they're forced to deal with things they didn't have to deal when you were just in your comfortable little group doing what you did comfortably before. But you take a stand, you shine a light, and they're forced to deal with certain things. In verse 20, Jesus said, remember the word that I said to you. A servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. But he also said, if they kept my word, they will keep yours also. Has anyone ever commented that there's something different about you? Maybe it was at work or at school. Even if they don't know that you're a Christian, they know that you're different by what you do and don't do. As Pastor Troy teaches in today's message, as a Christian, your goals, values, and ambitions will go against what the world values. If you're a follower of Jesus, continue to let your light shine in the world. You never know who'll come to know Jesus because of your impact on them. Now, here's Pastor Troy in the book of John chapter 15 as he continues his message. This is no popularity contest. Jesus came with heart. He said, if you're filled with the Holy Spirit of God, if you're led of the Spirit, you don't need a law to govern you and tell you do this, don't do that. The Spirit of God will fill you and you will have a heart of compassion and love. The fruits of the Spirit will be in your life. And yes, truth will matter. It will be of utmost importance. But not for your righteousness, but for your direction, your path, your aim. And so, because you will shine a light, they're not going to like you. They will hate you because they hate God. Let me give you another reason the world will hate you. The world will hate you because you left them. Yeah, you left them. Verse 19, he says, If you were of the world, the world would love its own. Yet because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. When you began to follow Christ, you began to put away certain worldly things. You began to stop doing certain worldly things so that you could focus on Christ and what Christ wanted you to be and the things that he wanted you to do. And you put him first. And so you didn't live like that any longer. You didn't go to some of the places that they used to go with them where they found the most comfort with you. You were their friend, you were in, but now you've separated yourself. It's kind of odd, it's strange. They enjoy certain things, they continue to indulge in certain things, but you stop those things. And not only that, but you've begun to share with them why you stopped them, because they were damaging your relationship and they were the cause of some of the things that were not right in your life. And they start to feel a sense of, well, well, you're making me feel like a sinner. Or something. We used to do this together. Now you, you think you're too good for us? Because you've changed, you leave them no excuse. Before it was like, well, people can't change. Makes me feel comfortable in what I'm doing. But now you've changed and you've left them no excuse. They can change. And they don't like that either. 
So instead of following your lead, many will pick on you or mock you, talk about you, shun you. They will no longer be your friend. Sometimes friends, sometimes family will turn their back on you and distance themselves from you. But that's to be expected. Paul wrote to Timothy and said, 2 Timothy 3.12, All who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. All, all Christians? Oh, he says it this way. All who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. You see, whenever you leave the ranks of the world and you stop partying like the world and hanging out with them and living so loose looking like them, acting like them, pursuing their pursuits. Often the world, those still indulging themselves in those things, will misinterpret that as you having a superiority complex. That's the way they'll view it. Out of nowhere, they may say things like, so you think you're better than us? Out of nowhere. Or you start growing in the Lord. With another Christian, the same thing happens. They don't want to continue to grow, but you're growing. Oh, you think you're better than us? I know who you really are. And it's as if they, they want to bring you back down so they don't feel so bad about where they are. You hear people say, well, you, you talk about being born again. They'll go, well, I'm not a bad person. I didn't say anything about being a bad person. You need to be born again. Or they'll say to you, I know who you really are. You're not fooling anyone. It can affect your relationship with friends, coworkers, and family when you begin to follow the Lord, when you're his friend. Jesus knew this, and he also made a great promise or gave a great promise that many that I know find great comfort in even to this day. Luke chapter 18, verses 29 and 30. So he said to them, Jesus said to them, Assuredly, I say to you, there is no one who has left house or parents or brothers or wife or children. In Matthew and the other gospels, it even says land and possessions for the sake of the kingdom of God who shall not receive many times more in this present time and in the age to come eternal life. He says, yeah, you may have to, as you're walking, you may have to leave some things, even some people behind because they don't want to go. They don't want to grow. And so they'll just get left behind and it'll cause friction. So from what a friend we have in Jesus to, oh, by the way, the world hates me and they will hate my friends. So that brings us to a fourth point. You had enough yet? We got one more. This is a good one. The world hates you, but there's good news. First, we're following the truth, God's truth. Second, you're in good company here. You're not alone. You're not the only one who experiences this. And you're not the first one either. When you're persecuted, hated for Christ, Christ stands with you. In verse 18, Jesus is saying, look, if they hate you, they hated me first. I'm in this with you. I understand. We're in this together. So you're in good company. Listen to what Jesus taught at the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew 5, 11, and 12. Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. It'll have to be falsely because if you're following the Christ, what you're saying is going to be true. I mean, there's going to be no reason except that you're just no fun anymore. You're just too holy. You're just too good for everybody. That'll be it. No time for us anymore. When they accuse you falsely, he says, rejoice and be exceedingly glad when they do that. For great is your reward in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. You want to talk about being in good company. Think about Moses. He was hassled by the Pharaoh. The people all grumbled to him. Moses didn't call himself and yet his own sister would come up. Hey, who put you in charge? Why are you leading all this? 
Why can't we have some input? God gave her a little leprosy for a time to make a point. Jeremiah, who had a heart for the people, he loved them. And all he got was ridicule, not a single convert, and pouring out his heart, giving his life over to the call. Not a single convert. In fact, he was ridiculed and thrown into a well. Elijah, sharing the truth of God's word, although in a very dark time in Israel, Ahab and Jezebel were his antagonists. And he had to endure that all the time, so much so that he said, Lord, I'm the only one left. There is no one. And God even then didn't go, oh, I'm so sorry. He was, you're not the only one. Get up. Continue to serve. In fact, your time's almost over. I'm going to pass this on to another one. So you want to grumble and complain? Maybe God will just pass over you. Paul and all the apostles were mocked, beaten, even killed. But listen to what Hebrews says. Is that hall of fame of faith. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let's lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. That's our aim, Christ's likeness, him. Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. And then the rest of that chapter goes on to speak about those Old Testament saints who sacrificed and lived by faith, not by sight. So yes, the world hates you. People in the world, they will hate you and not understand when you're separating and pursuing the Lord with all of your heart when they won't or don't want to, but you're in good company. You also have a good resource. Verse 25 says, But this happened, all the hatred and animosity, that the word might be fulfilled which was written in their law. They hated me without a cause. In other words, there was no reason for them to hate them except that I want this, you're not that, and I'm mad at you. See, what Jesus is doing is he's going back. He's pointing to the Old Testament, Psalm 35, Psalm 69, Psalm 109, and he's showing the attitude that's always been toward God's people, especially the prophets, those who would shine a light in a dark world and proclaim God's truth to the people. They were always persecuted and reviled. See, here's what we have. We have the word of God which tells us in advance what we can expect. And the intention is not to discourage us, but to encourage us that when it happens, we can go, man, God said it would happen. It's happening. And so, Lord, help me to persevere. We need more than our own strength to do this. We need the Holy Spirit of God to live like God has asked us to live and to shine in a world that's getting darker and darker. So in Acts chapter 4, when the disciples were apprehended, mistreated for preaching Jesus and commanded not to preach any longer in that name, it was, if you do it again, it's going to be worse for you. Did they go, oh no, that was persecution? Okay, good enough. No, you know what they did? It inspired them. One, they rejoiced that they could suffer for Christ's name because he said it was going to happen and it happened. Boy, didn't it. But also... They went and prayed for boldness to continue. Here's part of that. Acts chapter 4, verse 23 through 30. And being let go, they went to their own companions and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. So when they heard that, they raised their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord, you are God who made heaven and earth and the sea and all that is in them, who by the mouth of your servant David has said, why did the nations rage and the people plot vain things? The kings of the earth took their stand. The rulers 
rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ, for truly against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed both Herod and Pontius Pilate, with the Gentiles and the people of Israel were gathered together. So in other words, it's happened. To do whatever your hand and your purpose determined before to be done, you knew this would happen. Now, Lord, look on their hearts and grant to your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word by stretching out your hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. So you're in good company. You have good resources. We need to read the word of God, understand it, let it inspire us and catapult us going forward. You're gonna learn more by spending time with the Lord on your own and studying and applying to your personal life, then you are going to try to study the Bible academically for head knowledge. Pastor Troy will return soon with the second part of today's message, so be sure to stay tuned. If you'd like to listen to more teachings from Building on the Solid Rock, we invite you to visit our website, buildingonthesolidrock.com. Pastor Troy has been teaching verse by verse through the Bible, and you can listen online to our archive of these messages. You can also download each teaching to listen to later or share with your friends and family. You can even subscribe to Building on the Solid Rock podcast through iTunes. That way, you'll never miss a teaching and you'll be notified as soon as we make these messages available. Find a link to subscribe when you visit buildingonthesolidrock.com. Now, here's Pastor Troy with the continuation of today's message. Study to know Christ. Study to know what he's saying about your personal circumstances. It doesn't take a degree. It doesn't take seminary. In fact, we are almost at a point, guys, where I would discourage going to seminary. More coming out of seminaries today confused about the Bible than when they went in. Because they go in and they go, well, this wasn't in the originals and this was and this was. And they confuse the guys and they stop teaching certain portions of the scripture and they go, well, we don't, this wasn't in the Lex Talionis and I don't even know if we can trust the Bible and how I got there anymore. And they're getting messed up. Guys, head knowledge does not save anybody. You put your trust in Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit of God has given us this word. Men who were moved by the Spirit of God recorded it, and men who were moved by the Spirit of God gathered it, proclaimed it. The apostles and the prophets being the foundation of the church, we have the word of God. Read it. What you don't understand, that's okay. You don't need it right now. But God will bring to light and understanding the things that you do need to know. He will do that. You're in good company, but you have the word of God, a good resource. The world hates you, but there's good news. This good news is you shine a good light. You shine a good light in this world, a light that's needed. Because of you, things will begin to change around you. You kind of shake things up. And when that happens, well, people are taken aback by it. And they're forced to deal with things they didn't have to deal when you were just in your comfortable little group doing what you did comfortably before. But you take a stand, you shine a light, and they're forced to deal with certain things. In verse 20, Jesus said, Remember the word that I said to you. A servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. But he also said, If they kept my word, they will keep yours also. Your light, because you begin to follow Christ, stand out as a result will shine a light, and the good news is that even though not everyone will respond favorably, even some of them who don't, in their heart, they want what's true. 
And in their desire for truth, God will speak to them because you have shown a light. Before they weren't convicted at all, but now they are. And God will begin the process of working on them. And if truth is their desire, Scripture says, anyone who seeks him with their heart, he'll reveal himself to. And they will be transformed. God uses your life. Now, there's a little word there that carries a big weight. It's the word if. If they kept my word, they will keep yours also. In other words, if they would have listened to me, then they will listen to you. If they're not going to listen to you as you proclaim truth, they wouldn't have listened to me either. So this might be a group that wouldn't necessarily want to hear what you had to say, but because truth is very important to them, they will listen and God will do his business with them. They will be challenged and ultimately the fruit of salvation may result. As a believer, your life matters. You're following the Lord matters. You're doing what God wants you to do. Even if it makes no sense to you, it matters because the fruit of it might actually land on soil that produces salvation in a heart and a life. And listen, the joy of the few who come to faith far outweighs the majority who will reject it, even if it's family or dear friends or co-workers. Your life was meant to minister to, scatter seed, shine a light. You are the light of the world, the salt of the earth. Your life was meant for that. And when you're doing that, there's a joy in seeing that something happens. Christianity, the church, it's not a popularity contest. It's not about being liked by people. It's about truth. It's about connecting or reconnecting with God through Christ, walking in his ways, walking in right ways, walking with him, that relationship. And because his ways, as we walk with him, are in stark contrast to the world's ways, the world's priorities, the world's looks, the world's things, then being popular cannot be one of your goals if you expect to be a faithful follower of Christ and a light in the world. I knew a man when I was in the military. I was brand new, uh, just a young airman in the military. And this guy, he was more like staff sergeant, tech sergeant. His name was Sergeant Woods. He was a good man, just a really good man. But he didn't hang out with the guys. Now, when I say hang out with the guys, it doesn't mean like when the shop had an event or certain things, he wasn't there. But I mean that when the guy said, hey, let's go do this, let's go do that, let's go have a drink, let's, you know, do those kind of things, he didn't go and hang out in that way. He didn't just go hang out with the guys. But he was a really good guy. He was really into church. I remember that. He was really into church, and the rest of the guys would mock him. Not so much his faith, but kind of joke, you know, like, oh, there's the religious guy, you know. He just stood out. Now, I didn't mock him. You know, I, I loved God. I believed in God. I wasn't born again. I wasn't saved, but I believed him. I believed he existed and loved him. So I didn't jump in on the mocking, but even I said, man, that's too much. That's too much. You got to have a little fun, man. He doesn't have any fun. He's just all about like church and the Lord and... And so, I didn't appreciate it at the time. I didn't even recognize it at the time. But he was a light. He had the right priorities. They weren't subdued by a compromise. His light shone brightly. And it was a clean light, a pure light. He didn't cuss. He didn't say he didn't cuss. He just didn't cuss. He didn't tell everyone else they shouldn't cuss. He just didn't cuss. He didn't drink. 
He didn't joke about certain things that in a, a maintenance office they would joke about. He didn't involve himself in those things and he didn't laugh at those things. If they were starting to come up, he would just kind of excuse himself and it was obvious. He didn't speak ill of his wife. Now in an environment like that, that's obvious because unfortunately many guys do. And I'm sure it's true the other way around. And he didn't hang with the guys. Yet, when there was a problem in my life, he who would speak of the scriptures and speak of the Lord, and I who, I knew God was good and I probably could use a little more of him, I went to him. And I asked him some questions and he said, you know what, if you do love the Lord, you need to, you need to get to church. You need to be in church. Why aren't you going to church? And so, you could say in a small and indirect way, he had a part to play in my salvation. He knew that I started going to church. He was excited. He gave me some resources to study. He was really excited. He was on board, man. He would press in because I was, I was now on that path. Now, on that, he was into. And he also knows that I was born again, that I went to church, but he has no idea what I'm doing now and what God ultimately did with my life. From his perspective, I may still be that young kid that was in the military that he gave a little guidance to. And Lord, I pray he's still in your hands. But he has no clue about what he was used in my life to do. You know, I'm thankful for those who would stand like that. And I am now among those. I find myself among those who stand in the Lord with a sense of conviction, shining a light, and yet get called religious, holy, no fun, foolish by friends, family, and even by other Christians. It's okay, though. See, we're not celebrated down here just yet, but it's coming. Let me read something in closing. An old missionary couple had been working in Africa for years and were returning to New York to retire. They had no pension. Their health was broken. They were defeated, discouraged, and afraid. They discovered they were booked on the same ship as President Teddy Roosevelt, who was returning from one of his big-game hunting expeditions. No one paid any attention to them. They had sacrificed everything. They watched the fanfare that accompanied the president's entourage with passengers trying to catch even a glimpse of the great man. As the ship moved across the ocean, the old missionary said to his wife, something is wrong with this. Why should we have given our whole life in faithful service to God in Africa all these years, giving up so much, many years, and have no one care a single thing about us? And here's this man. He comes back from a hunting trip. Everybody makes much over him. They love him. But nobody gives two hoots about us. Dear, you shouldn't feel that way, his wife said. He replied, well, I can't help it. It just doesn't seem right. When the ship docked in New York, a band was waiting to greet the president. The mayor and other dignitaries were there. The the papers were full of the president's arrival. No one even noticed this missionary couple. They slipped off the ship, found a way through the crowds, found a cheap flat on the east side hoping the next day to see what they could do to make a living in the city now. That night, the man's spirit broke. He said to his wife, I cannot take this. I can't get it out of my head. God is not treating us fairly. His wife replied, why don't you just go lie down and take it all to the Lord? A short time later, he came out from the bedroom, but now his face was completely different. His wife asked, so what happened, dear? He said, the Lord settled it with me. He said, I told him how bitter I was that the president should receive such a tremendous homecoming, celebration, when no one met us at all when we returned home. And when I had finished, it seemed like the Lord put his arm around my shoulder and said, it's because you're not home yet. See, the world hates you. 
But there's good news. We will be home one day. We will be standing before the Lord. And the only thing that matters is that which caused us to become more Christ-like, that caused us to get our eyes on Him and to point others to Him. This is no popularity contest, guys. It's a call to come back or to come to the one who created you and who loves you. Pastor Troy has been teaching through the Gospel of John here on Building on the Solid Rock. Different than other gospel books, John introduces his book by going further back than when Jesus was born as a baby. He delved into the very nature of God and solidified throughout his writing that Jesus was the Son of God. This backdrop gives you a different insight into Jesus as a man as he lived here on earth. It's no wonder that the book of John includes so many miracles, because it's evidence that only God could do such things. If you're curious to hear more of the teachings from this book, visit our website at buildingonthesolidrock.com. You can listen online or download the message to share with others. If you've been encouraged by today's message, we'd love to hear from you. Feel free to send us an email through our website, buildingonthesolidrock.com. That's all we have time for today. Join Pastor Troy next time as he continues in the book of John on Building on the Solid Rock. Let the light of Christ shine as we grow in Him. Come have your way in us. Come